And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Tampering Podcast, part of the Athletic NBA Show Network. I'm Sam Amick, national writer at The Athletic. Normally I say here as always. This is not as always. This is a special event live at Summer League Las Vegas. In person, we got permission, just in case you're wondering, to go massless for a few minutes here. We're being safe. We're being sound. Gentlemen, you look okay for dudes who have been in Vegas for a day, <laughs> except for that guy on the end. I'm going to start with him, Anthony Slater, Warriors beat writer, and then some at the Athletics. Slater, you okay? You're, I got I'm here on Saturday, so it's been more. It's been two <laughs> nights. No more wear and tear. We all know by day three in Vegas, you start fading. Yeah. But can I get an amen? The hair still looks good. Oh, of course. Right, come on, That's yeah. a given. Yeah. The hair is always good. Hey, 90 minutes of sleep, I can still do that. Slater's <laughs> wife's in town, so we know he's going to keep it clean. Will Guillory, Pelicans beat writer at The Athletic, joining us today. We always love having Will come on the show, but, I mean, the show, we'll get into it in a minute. Will, it's called Tampering, and, and we got a little investigation going on. We're going to be on brand talking about the news in the NBA this week. And, of course, Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks beat writer. I think that makes you a championship beat writer. You get a little I don't, taste of that. You got you to talk to Slater. I don't know how that works. Okay. Like, is, that, is that what it is? He's like I'm partying all summer. <laughs> right, right. Slater, how do I cover a championship parade? How does this work? Thank you all for joining us. Listen, as always, we're going to get into the, the action around the association. Uh, free agency finally dwindling down. A few guys still out there mm-hmm. looking for employment. Dennis Schroeder is the first guy that comes to mind. But most of the bigger name dudes are secured and on rosters. But before we get into that offseason free agency action, we do want to talk about this investigation situation that, that you know, you're talking about Lonzo Ball going to Chicago on a sign and trade. Mm-hmm. And, Will, you and I were talking off air about this, and it's like we – I don't know exactly how, how macro to start, but we know around the league that we continue on an annual basis to play along a little bit to the idea that, like, we all know that everybody's talking – before the buzzer sounds. And then there's this unspoken thing where the teams in the league, they, with a wink and a nod, they want the media to just pretend this stuff's not happening. And right. don't make any noise. Don't make anybody look stupid. But then when our Sham Sharania breaks and, you know, the, the story right out the gate that Lonzo's going to Chicago mm-hmm. in a signing trade, he's doing his job. Exactly. But next thing you know, folks are upset. Um, the Pelicans' involvement, they, you know, they made it real clear that Lonzo was not somebody that was going to be part of their future. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the way it's supposed to work is when that buzzer sounds, all the squads that have interest in him have, you know, equal opportunity to, to pitch and to see, you know, how the landscape looks. That's not how this went. You know, Clutch, which represents Lonzo, clearly mm-hmm. looked at Chicago. He wanted to be there four years, $85 million. Thomas Sadaransky, was it 2022 20, pick? Yeah, uh, I think it's 24 pick and okay. uh, Garrett Temple. Right. Uh, how do you see this situation? It's not just, of course, that sign and trade. Yeah. It's Kyle Lowry going down to Miami and that sign and trade with Toronto. These things happen quickly, quote unquote, quickly after the buzzer sounded. We all know they were they were likely happening before then. 
Yeah, and, and I think that goes for basically all of free agency, right? To expect teams to wait until 6 o'clock on free agency day to start negotiating with teams, I think it's just crazy. That's not the way this business works. Obviously, there's always going to be conversations going on with agents, with teams, with people close to players. And there's always going to be – because, you know, that's one of the biggest parts of this business is free agency, player movement, how all of these things are going to go. So I think, for for one, I, I think to, to say, well – the fact that the tweet came out at 6 p.m. and not 6.15 or 6.30, I think, what's really the difference? At the end of the day, we know these negotiations are going on. Guys are talking behind the scenes. Uh, But I think you you can understand where the NBA wants to make things look a little bit more like they have it under control. But really, I I don't know how you can get it under control because then we can start talking about these other teams where players are setting up, you know, movement. And you you can just leave the teams out. And so, I mean – I think it's really just something that's just beyond the league's control at this point, and they're trying to gain control. But I don't really know that there's much that they can do at this point. I think it's kind of beyond, you know, what they can what they can do to kind of stop it. I, to to I, jump real quick, Slater, on my yeah. soapbox thing is this. I'm going to take my athletic hat off and just talk as a reporter. I don't care who's breaking these with, stories. With your freedom of the press shirt yes, baby. on. Yes, Freedom of the Come press. Let's bring it. Like, like I, I'm not comfortable with the idea that there continues to be this kind of unspoken undercurrent of, like, we got to play along. Mm-hmm. No, get your house in order. And if you want to actually regulate this stuff, then regulate it across the board and not just the stuff where the league ends up getting embarrassed. Right. I don't like the idea that it, it feels like there's finger pointing on an annual basis that happens. Well, why did this reporter go too quickly? I'm sorry, too quickly. Like you, freedom always, of the press. Yes, freedom of the press. <laughs> there you go. People doing their and job. And it's just if you, you got to do a, a thorough overhaul of the system with heavy-handed regulations, if, in fact, that's the way you want for it to go or, and I can read your face a little bit later, or just open the floodgates yeah. and stop worrying about it. We, we talked about this last week when yeah. it was coming out. It's like, first of all, you can't operate as a front office in this league if you're not having these conversations. <laughs> right. Right. Can you imagine if you waited to call free agents? There's none on the board. You'll be out of work very yeah. quickly. <laughs> um, two, I, my belief is once a team season is done, I'm cool with tampering. Essentially, uh, you know, there was you the know, pot back, or the action. Okay, uh, all, all involved. <laughs> um, but I mean, back in the Draymond Green, Kevin Durant situation in 2016, you know, there was concerns of, of Draymond maybe recruiting like during the series. Essentially, um, that type of stuff, you know, is a little bit more questionable. Yes. But, but I believe once the season's done, uh, you should be able to temper it. You know, the Kyle Lowry situation. I know we're talking about Alonzo, but that was more egregious to me. That was like two days in advance. We were already like. You know, teams were moving off Lowry. The pieces yeah. involved were right. already known. I mean, that was kind of Bogdanovich. I mean, I mean that's what I was going to say. Like, if, yeah. if if we're talking about who's pointing fingers, like, I would guess John Horst and the Bucks are like, um, yeah, that looked illegal. Like, I'm pretty sure that was illegal. We got docked a second-round pick for that last year. Yeah. And you got to be thinking the same thing. Like, that situation was wrong or bad or whatever you want to say and now this one is it's cool like it can't go that way so i, I i'm with slater like open it all I'm gonna up go with illegal because they've, they've chosen to make it like wrong is it is a moral right. judgment like yeah. it's these are the the rules right. that you right. could argue are very silly yes yeah. but by the letter of the law yeah. illegal yeah. And, and and that's just something that i think if if you're one of those teams that's gotten hit with a tampering charge and you've lost picks or gotten fines you're looking at what happened this summer and you're saying those you set a precedent, so we got to follow it at this point. Are you getting the sense that it'll just be like maybe a pick involved? They're not going to like undo the Lowry's situation. I right? don't have clarity. I, I would probably handicap it that it's going to be more significant than the Milwaukee situation. 
and, and well, I, the Milwaukee situation was crazy because like that that didn't go down. Then. Yeah, you know, Donovan's got yeah. And, and listen, it was a little murky in the reporting at the time, but I think there was a feeling in the Bogdanovich camp then that if you force the issue and you insist on going to Milwaukee, then then we'll probably take it to the next level in terms of the yep. way we're legislating this thing. Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, he goes to Atlanta, which the money was good, but it was an imperfect fit based on what, right. you know. So I think the, the Lowry one is interesting too because, listen, I remember like three, four hours before the buzzer sounded on the day of free agency, getting a phone call relating to Reggie Jackson and the idea that the Pelicans essentially already knew that, that they were out on Lowry yeah. and that Reggie was going. I reported on this at the time, but like those are the moving puzzle piece parts that right. can't move if there's not action happening. And I know it's easy for us in the media to play Monday morning quarterback, but, you know, Adam Silver, who is here, has got the tough job to figure out, you know, how do I navigate all this? Because the optics are not great. I think it's making a bit of a charade of free agency day. And again, being subjective on the media side is like, I'm tired of the way we do our jobs, you know, like we're running around trying to make sure people don't get in trouble. That's a tough spot to put the media in. And I think that's the point here. It's not like the Bulls were putting up banners of Lonzo Ball two days before free agency started. We're talking about the league trying to regulate how reporters put out their reporting. And at the end of the day, you know, we don't work for the league. We work with the league. We cover the league, but we don't have to change the way we report based on the league's rules. And, And I think saying that, you know, obviously is when we get to free agency, like I said, this is one of the biggest times of the year. Fans want this information. They want to know about where guys are going, what teams are looking at, how are they going to handle their cap situations and all of that stuff. And I think that's what we're supposed to do as reporters is find out information and figure out what's going on with the teams that we're covering. And to say that, well, because of the NBA has these specific rules, you have to wait right. an extra day or an extra hour keep, before keep you all those tweets reporting. in draft mode and yeah, just I mean, fire them off with no your, that's yeah, crazy because yeah. at the end of the day a big part of our job is being first right. and of course we want to be right but being first is also important and if you have that information locked in why wouldn't you put it out because that's what you're supposed to do as a right. reporter right will i'm gonna keep it with you uh first of all i'm gonna get sappy for a minute we've been in the pandemic we haven't seen each other i know and you get to see co-workers will smiling face you got a wonderful <laughs> laugh we got to hang out last night you do a, a fantastic job covering that team. Thank you. And front and center, all of a sudden, you have the most compelling small market superstar situation in the NBA, right <coughs> up there with uh, yours is over, buddy. Oh, yours oh, is oh, like, oh, you oh, passed oh. the baton. Oh, I said okay. compelling. Yours okay. is just okay. a love story. Okay. Supermax is signed. Championship is won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's my bad. next. My bad. You got some news for us? No, no, no. I got nothing. Giannis did demand a trade in his press conference after winning his title. That did happen. I was in the room, but right up there with Dame Lillard in Portland in that situation. Mm -hmm. But Zion's is is unique, obviously, from the standpoint of not only length of his current contract, but the extension of the general idea that teams have control of a guy for unofficially eight years. But man, the noise started really, really early. You guys reported earlier this season Mm -hmm. about the Zion situation. And kudos to you for kind of acknowledging this elephant in the room that had not really been written about, which is that Zion's family and folks around him that there's a lot of chatter about where he sees his career long-term. So that made this offseason become another one of those make-the-young-star-happy type things. The Pelicans did swing and miss on quite a few different things. What, how do you download their offseason and the state of affairs there? Yeah, I think first off with Zion, like you said, it was a lot of whispers going on around the league. A lot of people heard stuff going on, heard stuff being said at games with Zion. So I think 
uh, I mean, obviously, you know, they had two disappointing seasons at the start of his career. Like you said, they've had a lot of misses with specific moves they tried to make to add around them. They're on their third coach in three seasons with Zion. So obviously there's going to be some frustrations there. Uh, but as far as this season, I think, you know, one, going back to the combo we were having before, they were targeting Kyle Lowry. They were targeting Chris Paul. Those are two guys they wanted to get in to kind of have that Phoenix Suns mold that we bring in the veteran point guard to help our young guys develop. And obviously they missed on both of those guys. They ended up with Devontae Graham, who I think they really like and they, they think he can fit next to Zion. But he's not, you know, obviously Kyle Lowry or Chris Paul. Those guys are extremely established in this league. Whole lot of, you know, skins on the walls for those guys, I think. But the biggest thing for this Pels team is they just got to show that they're moving in the right direction. With Zion, I think a lot of people around them feel like they're just constantly moving backwards. And if you put a team like Milwaukee, uh, for an example, last year there were these rumbles with Giannis. And what is he going to do? Is he going to Dallas? Is he going here or there? And they went out and made the move to get Drew Holiday. They right. made the move to get Bogdanovich, even though it didn't work out. They were showing the effort to kind of make the correct they moves. They kept going. Bobby Portis, Bobby DJ Portis, right. all of those right. guys that yeah. contributed to that title. Right. And I think not necessarily those type of names. I don't think Zion is screaming, hey, we need to trade three first-round picks to get me a guard. But I think he wants to see that type of effort in building a championship team. And it feels like they're kind of stuck in neutral right now. Right. And I think they want to see more forward progress with the roster and with the coaching situation. And right. I feel like they like Willie Green, but again, he still has a lot to prove as a young coach in this league, so we'll see. They spent the, this offseason correcting the mistakes of last offseason, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, the trading the Bledsoe deal, trading the Adams deal. I like that move in a vacuum, what mm -hmm. they did. But, you know, we talk about moving forward. No, you're just trying to erase mistakes. Yeah. That's, you know, I, I don't know. Um, and, and, well, and the Willie Green thing as well. The, the toughest one of them all. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, well, and then you hear, you know, he's talking about they wanted Kyle Lowry. They wanted Chris Paul. I, I, it's probably unrealistic for them to think that either of those two were going to go to that situation. Chris Paul well, was not going to leave. Not to mention, I was going to ask you, Will, like, Chris and Kyle are fantastic future Hall of Famers. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But their age track is not exactly on a Zion. That's not exactly how you convince the young fella to, to spend his next 15 years. Exactly. So who was that guy? Like, so I, I'm still kind of puzzled that if you look at the market and uh, Reggie Jackson had a good playoffs, I get the interest, but like, why was Lonzo not the guy? When did they fall out of love with Lonzo? Yeah, I think part of it was just the, the style of play that Lonzo has. I think he's not a guy, a typical point guard who's going to be pick and roll. I can control the offense from the top of the key. Last two minutes of a game, you can give me the ball and I can take us home. Lonzo's not that guy. I think he's a very skilled basketball player. He adds things to the team. I think he was a good fit next to Zion, but he's not necessarily that guy. And I think you saw, especially with that team last year, so often they would play really well for 44, 46 minutes, and then they would get to the late in the fourth quarter and they would basically just throw these games away with bad decision-making, bad shock-making, defense, and they felt like, if we can just get a point guard in here who can guide these these young players and help them in some of these uh, tense situations, then maybe we can turn around and win some of these games that we're losing. But I still feel like Lonzo brings so much to you as a guy who can connect with Zion, as a guy who can hit those three-pointers that they, they were so bad at last year. I mean, they're bottom five and three-pointers made and three-point percentage, and they lost their, the best three-point shooter from last year at Lonzo Ball. So I think... It's going to be really interesting to see how they kind of make up for what they lost in him. But I think more than anything, I think they felt like just needed a better fit at point guard as far as a specific skill set. Do you feel like that's what Zion and Brandon Ingram want? And, and what I mean by that is like Giannis in Milwaukee is very comfortable with like, hey, there's Chris Middleton. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to let him take us home. 
Like, are those guys cool with a point guard coming in and taking them home? Like, is that what they want? Well, I think Zion's a guy who's expressed multiple times that he sees himself as a, a Giannis or LeBron, a guy who can run the offense for the majority of the game with the ball in his hands. I think B.I. has obviously shown he can beat that type of guy, a Chris Middleton guy who can close games for you. But I think they also understand that, you know, they haven't been successful with the way they've been doing things the past few years. And I think they were open to bringing in another point guard. But I think ultimately those guys have expressed on multiple occasions that they wanted to play with Lonzo. They have a great relationship with Lonzo. Obviously, B.I. has a relationship with Lonzo that goes back to L.A. So I think they, they were voicing how much they wanted Lonzo to be around. And obviously it didn't work out. Uh, so I think that's a factor here that, you know, maybe you're upsetting these guys by getting rid of Alonzo Ball or at least not putting in more effort to keep him. Uh, so I think but ultimately when we're talking about guys like Kyle Lowry and Chris Paul, I think the conversation is there's a pressure to win now with Zion that you don't usually feel with a guy going into year three. Right. And I think because of these rumblings off the court, because of the possibility that he may break the mold and sign that qualifying offer yes. and, and go into unrestricted free agency, wow. which is something. You know, we haven't seen before, but it's a legitimate, you know, threat. I mean, at some point. unpack that a little bit? I mean, yeah. how, how real is that in your opinion? I mean, I, I'm still, I still have to see a guy do it before I feel like it'll happen. I know it'll happen someday, but I feel like it's so much money being left on the table when you do right. that, especially with a guy like Zion who already has a knee surgery in his history, has injury concerns with his size and weight and all that kind of stuff. So I think uh, there's a fear there, but I still feel like it would shock me if he didn't sign. Uh, but again, if they come out and they look bad again next year and Willie Green isn't the guy, uh, then I think there's a real fear that, you know, he's going to look at his situation and say, man, uh, we're not heading in the right direction. And then you look at guys like Drew Holiday, like Anthony Davis, who leave town and immediately put a banner up. Uh, I think it doesn't help either. Right. I think you can float the idea of signing the qualifying offer and, and you know, not extend when you're immediately eligible and, and then just use that as basically part of your trade request. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's to me is, is what I see kind of more likely. I think my memory finally caught up as I'm trying to cheat on Google here. Greg Monroe was the one who did that. Uh, right. It just doesn't happen very yeah. often. You know what I mean? You not with, not with super Max maxes on the table. Yeah. Right. 100%. But, you know, as we've seen, as New Orleans has seen, too, you can just put pressure on the organization and just be openly like, I want out. Yeah. You know? I know. I feel like every time, Will, we talk about the Pels, I feel compelled, no pun intended, to say, you know, with apologies to the team's fans, we always wind up going macro and talking about long-term future of the franchise. Mm-hmm. And even before we get to that, you got Gail Benson, who I think has got a good reputation as an owner, but seems to be fairly discerning about you know her involvement and, and her strong opinions of different parts of the organization it, which is a soft way we get the griff and asking about like what what is the level of pressure on the front office i don't care who you are you got a championship on your resume like he does mm-hmm. that helps but you go pay a guy like sam van gundy the kind of money they did and then cut ties as quickly as they did yeah. that's that's a tough mark against your record and now around the league there certainly is noise and questions about you know his future there how do you feel like it impacts him yeah and not only Stan Van Grethy but they extended Alvin Gentry's contract by one year and then fired him the following summer so I think you know there's a feeling that you know Griff is still trying to figure out what he's doing with that coaching situation and then the inability to really establish that relationship with Zion where, where you know they can feel more comfortable about their standing with him I think a lot of that falls back on Griff so I, yeah I think there's an extreme amount of pressure on him to finally figure this thing out and at least get them in a winning direction, get close to that AC, maybe playing, just so you can feel like there's some progress there because it feels like 
he he got dealt such a great hand coming in, even if you lose an Anthony Davis, to get a Zion Williamson, to come in with Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, all of these first-round picks, it feels like they should be much further along in the process than they are right now. And when you have a superstar of Zion's level in a city like New Orleans, and he's already making rumblings about what his next move may be, right. uh, I think that's a lot of pressure on your front office to figure that thing out and, and start doing some things in the correct way because uh, losing AD, losing Drew was tough. I think losing Zion would be a, a really big blow for that franchise and for the city, right. just because we know what type of future he has as a, a young superstar in this league. It, it does seem like they're operating someone in like a, a panicky way. I mean, even the Devontae Graham, they, they, they sent a first rounder out for him yes. too, right? Lottery protected, but still. Why is it always yeah. going to be panic with Stan? Why you go to the Shaq set, Stan panic, now you're <laughs> I'm, I'm talking to David Griffin. I hear yeah. you saying that through that space, yeah. No, no, I got you. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So let's keep it in the West, uh, but actually go to the West Coast because your your West team is not actually there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Don't get New Orleans fans started on that. Right, right. Last time we talked, your your team yeah. had moving parts. You know the the, the draft pick side. You know Joe Lake. They're about to play in about forty minutes right out there. If they jump high enough, we might see a couple of heads. <laughs> we can't see you right now, but like Joe Lake, we talked last time. Yeah. Your interview, which certainly made waves. Yeah. You know, declaring that that they were going to. Merge the past and the present, the future, and, and you know you loved it when he declared. Like, did your eyes just light up as you were talking? Like, man, I got some I'm freedom of the press. <laughs> <laughs> they, they they get the guy Andre Iguodala back, but you've had a, another week to kind of yeah. unpack who the Warriors are in the context of the West Coast free agency. What do you think? It's just a lot of pressure on Clay Thompson, but I mean, their opinion would be okay. They they paid him. You know, they're going to pay him another thirty-eight something million this season. They've gotten zero minutes out of him in the last two years. Their return to contention is based on a guy coming off an ACL and Achilles um, and probably isn't going to be ready. I'm hearing like December, January potentially for his return. They're going to slow play it, understandably. Um, you know, and it's growth from the young guys. Jordan Poole, I think, is kind of being undervalued in the, in the Warriors conversation. They believe he's, he's emerging into a real piece. Uh, I was impressed in Sacramento by the rookies. We'll see. It's one summer league game, but they're – including Joe Lacob's opinion is like, hey, watch out. The, some of these young guys might be a little bit more ready to help a bit more now. But at the same time, they clearly didn't like overhaul the the bench situation. I mean, Otto Porter, sure, he'll help. Bielita, he'll help. Iguodala at this stage, help a little bit. I mean, it's different. It's like smarter, higher IQ players, passers, a little bit more shooting than they had last season. But really, to me, it just it's going to come down to Clay Thompson. If we're really talking about competing in the Western Conference, you know, which – I think the West up top is a little bit overrated. Uh, you know, I mean, those injury situations, you know, Clippers are, are having, obviously, the Kawhi thing lingering over their head. Jamal Murray in Denver. 
I don't love what the Lakers did. I don't know about you guys. No. I mean, how many teams are going to get in before he mentions the West champions? Jesus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. They're probably favorite. I don't know. I mean, maybe you'd say the Lakers are. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, I just I think they can get back in it in the conversation, but a lot of stuff has to go right, including Clay Thompson. And I don't have that answer. They don't have that answer. What do you – they obviously, like, went with smarter players, higher intelligence players. That feels like a Steve Kerr thing, right? Like, yes. you want guys that are going to work for Steve. What do you think Steve has to prove this year? I know he's won a bunch of championships, but it does feel like this is, this is like, a year for yeah, him. I mean, we could go to every, like, important member of the organization that's pressure. There's pressure on the front office and on these moves, on ownership, who's clearly made the declaration of, like, they're not going all in on the, the two next two Curry seasons. They're, they're taking the wider view. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Steve has a balance this season of, of w- the win-now expectations and the development of rookies who are not going to necessarily lead to, to some of the regular season wins he needs. He tried it with James Wiseman last season. It didn't go well. He was in and out of the lineup. I think they overcomplicated James Wiseman's role at times last season. Um, and he, now he's going to have that, I'll say double, but really maybe even triple. I, I think Moses Moody will kind of, you know, he kind of fits into more of a role player, but I mean, if, if front office and ownership is telling Steve Kerr, like, get Jonathan Kaminga developmental minutes, get James Wiseman developmental minutes, win game. And, you know, Draymond, lot, Draymond Green and Steph Curry are saying, like, we need this win tonight against Phoenix. That's a it's lot. It's going to be a balance. Yeah, I, I mean, but I will say that they, they hired a bunch of, like, developmental coaches this summer. Kenny Atkinson's in there. Like, they're committed to it. And I do think they're – I don't know. Well, I, I think – We'll feel urgency early in the season, but at the same time, like it's an 82 game marathon. I mean, as long as they don't, particularly with Clay. I mean, Clay, if if he's not going to be back for two months, I think he can be in development minutes early. It's a tough curve to navigate, and I, yeah. it's, maybe they can. I would hereby declare that they should have open mics on Grandma for the whole season, so we can hear him. <laughs> I mean, the Wiseman experience was entertaining enough because you could sit in the 30th row with Kobe Protocol and hear what he was yelling at the young fella. And now you're going to add more young fellas. I mean, jokes aside, though, Slater, like, do you think we know going into free agency that it seemed like Steph, Clay, Draymond were applying a fair amount of pressure behind the scenes when that pressure doesn't lead to the type of, you know, decisions that they were hoping for? I mean, call it angst, call it unhappiness. Yeah. Like, what's, what's the move? So I think that they haven't, like, the – the full pressure would be put on the front, uh, front office and ownership, I think, if one of these stars actually demanded out. They can kind of go, look, Bradley Beal wants to stay in Washington right now. Damian Lillard has not asked out of Portland. There isn't this mega star to go add. Right. Um, so that kind of gives them, uh, you know, a little bit of a, a shield. But if, you know, Beal becomes available, if Lillard asks out, and then they don't even throw themselves in the mix, or they just declare, look, James Wiseman's off the table and Jonathan Kaminga's off the table, which I kind of think that's their thinking. Yeah. Um, then the, the the teams that are offering starts are going to go, well, you're off the table. Like we're, we're looking elsewhere. And then that's when I think the situation might get a little bit more angsty, tense, because they'd go, you had an opportunity, and you decided not to pull the trigger. At this point, there's not really the opportunity. And Steph said that to Marcus. Uh, he's like, look, I've seen what's been available to us. I'm okay with the current direction. What's, what's your understanding of the level of interest in Grant Simmons? I don't think it's very high. Okay. I don't think they like the fit with, with him and Draymond. I, I, I mean, I, Daryl Morey really did call them and, and offer Ben Simmons for Wiseman, 
and at the time it was seven and fourteen. But, you know, Kaminga, Moody, essentially Wiggins' contract, and, and two other future firsts, and they didn't even like let him get to the offer state. So like, just you know, we're hanging up the phone. Right. Um, so you know, I could see them go. I could see them having a Ben Simmons conversation if Daryl Morey slashed that price by like quadruple. Essentially. Sure. I mean, well, and, and I should shout out our Derek Bodner. I thought wrote a really smart piece the other day from the Philly perspective. There he is. He's He's here. (laughs) I'm glad I was giving love to the right guy. (laughs) Talking about the, the, you know, Derek read the market and the tea leaves and essentially was drawing the conclusion that Daryl Morey, who is as aggressive an operator as there is in the NBA, is smart enough like to know that Damian Lillard might wind up looking at Philly and saying, that's where I want to be. But because Dame's not there yet with his situation, that what Daryl might just be doing is essentially – selling as high as possible and thinking if anyone's dumb enough to take this price, then I'll do it. But otherwise, I'm just, I'm stalled. And I'm waiting for something to evolve with Portland. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well done, Derek. Good job, Good job, Derek. Shout out. I think part of that is you got to raise his value a little bit because we forget about where Ben was after they lost in that playoff series. Yeah. And I'll never forget that night where you see Joel and B just come out and just say, yeah, we lost because Ben passed up on a dunk. Right. And then Doc Rivers, somebody asked Doc Rivers, can you win with Ben Simmons as your point guard? He's like, "Uh, I don't know. (laughs) So I think you got to do something. That's my favorite part of Daryl Morey in general. (laughs) I'm being serious. As an executive, it's like he knows who he is and he's like, he just doesn't. He gives no Fs about the idea that, that Ben might have to walk back in the locker room with Joel because Daryl has never been one to read the room from a human dynamic standpoint yeah. with the players. And most folks disagree. He's at least consistent. And I think that's risky. It's very risky. That could derail a season. 100%. And I was going to say, on top of it, Daryl's also someone that wants to win trades. Like he enjoys winning a trade. Like he enjoys everyone seeing him be like, yep, you got as much as you possibly could. And that can be a tough spot, like, especially when someone's value is as low as it is right now. And Ben Simmons, like, you're not going to win that trade right now. So you, you almost have to take it into the season. So it's risky. I just think that he's probably the only GM in the league where the other team would have part of their thinking being, oh, Jesus, this guy might actually bring Ben back in the locker room. Because every other right. team, they'd be saying, stop, just stop it. Like, there's right. no way you're not trading this guy. No, yeah. I, he's he's going to be on the Sixers at the, at the start of the year. Like, oh, that's what I would bet, too. Well, right. I mean, the Portland situation, as you mentioned, you know, Derek kind of brought it up. That could blow up. Like, Portland, you remember Damian Lillard talking about, I, I want to see all these changes this summer? What do they do? No. I mean, I mean Ben McLemore Keeping Norm Powell was like, the Tony biggest thing. Yeah, big time. There's <laughs> championship. Our guy, John <laughs> Hollinger. John Hollinger cracked me up in his column. He called it the, the summer of Snell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in, I'm keeping West. Don't be offended. I mean, the Bucks were in the East, you no. know. I, Brooklyn I, locked up KD for four more years. I, I think the Bucks are feeling very good about where they are right they now. They are. The well, Nets are about to pay a half billion dollars to, to their stars over the course of you know the next few months. Also, a half like what is it? A quarter billion in luxury tax this year? Yeah. Yeah. The tax is, is, is something. Luxury must, must be nice to have that type of money, huh, Josiah? <laughs> <laughs> the, are, are, do you think it going into just we'll stay east for sure, a second? Sure, sure. Yeah. I feel like it's going to be somewhat of a popular opinion heading into the season that maybe the East is caught up to the West or getting closer or surpassed. Cause I do think the West up top is, is kind of going to be down a little bit. (laughs) Honestly, I was thinking about it and for a while now it's been like, okay, so there's eight playoff teams and you feel like six of them are worthy in the East. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you look at the East this year, like there's like 10 to 12 teams that I'd be like, okay, I can see them making the playoffs. And that hasn't been the case in the East for 
as long as I've been covering the league, like it's, it's been a long time yeah. since you've said something like that. So yeah, I think the East is much stronger. Do, do I think it's like super top heavy? No, like I think it's the Bucks and the Nets and then everybody else. Yeah, I agree. But still, the fact that you have the East having that kind of, I guess, that just that level of yeah. quality, like that just isn't something that they've had in a long, long time. Yeah, I mean, there's been plenty of years where, like, the eight seed in the East is, like, eight games under 500, right, exactly. and the eight seed in the West is, like, a 50-win team. And, and, like, I don't think that's going to happen this yeah. year. Like, I think no. all those teams at the bottom of the Eastern, like, playoff picture are, like, pretty legit teams. So, it, it's it's a much deeper East this year. I don't think it's going to be as good as the West. I think they probably still have a little bit of catching up to do, but that's... It's, it's closer, I think, than it's been. And I do think I we'll be saying that more as the season gets closer. To, to keep it with your bucks, you've had a couple weeks to, to kind of decompress – Sure. Get that champagne smell off you. You're out there <laughs> jumping on, on you know, buses and parades and right. getting one-on-ones with Giannis with 72 sure. F-bombs. Yep. You know, good stuff. As he, as he does. As How he does. Give me your opinion of he sent two very contradictory messages in the wake of his first championship. And one was that spirit of, in this market, you win one. And, like, we did it. Like, we did it, Ma. We're done. Like that, and he kind of had that vibe for a second of like, I could retire now and I'd be a happy man. <laughs> but then, as I shared again with you, I think over drinks last night, like when I caught him in that press conference right after they won the title and said, Congrats, and how does it feel? He sat there and his wheels were clearly turning, and he looks at me and he's like, My brain, my brain, like I can't enjoy this moment because I'm already addicted to the feeling. Like, which is it? So how, what, what kind of energy does he go into next season with regarding their, their title defense? I, I think there's this idea that Giannis is like this naive, I love smoothies and corn dogs and America is great. I have no idea what this world is. Like, there's this idea that that's who he is. But I think few players in the league understand their legacy better than him. He mm. knows exactly what it means to do what he's done. And if you look at him through age 26, two MVPs, a ring, that is on pace for top 10 greatest player type of things. I told you this guy's, what is it, three weeks ago on tampering, a yeah. month ago on tampering? Like, that's what that's what we're talking about now. Like, that is the pace that he is on. So I think he knows that now that he's won a ring, he can win the MVPs again. I think like, he's the favorite. I think he enters next season the MVP. Favorite. That's interesting. And I can't blame him for being a little mad at us because he's not wrong that it was he like was disqualified. Unofficially no, he disqualified. <laughs> and, he, and he absolutely knew that. Like he knew that he could I have not top win. five at least. I forget which number. <laughs> yeah, thank you. But he knew he couldn't win an MVP. So now that's back on the table. So like I, I think the idea of like, oh yeah, you know, that feeling of I could retire now because I have a ring, that is him appreciating what they've done. And he knows that it's pretty freaking special to win a championship by 26 in the city of Milwaukee, but he's also like the most competitive person I know. I've called him a Kobe level lunatic for most of his career. Like that dude is just driven to be better every single year. So they're going to keep driving. And again, they're going to feel pretty good. I know people are, you know, thinking about the PJ Tucker not paying the luxury tax or paying as much luxury tax, I should say, uh, and moving on from him. But I think the Bucks are going to be like, well, the rest of our top seven is the exact same. Yep. We added George Hill. We added Grayson Allen. Like, we're deeper than we were last year. Like, they're going to be feeling good about what they're doing. And, again, the Nets are have the, the three stars, and they can say, hey, we were injured. I think Bruce Brown said it again today. Like, they think they should have won last year. So, 
cool. Like, let's go have an Eastern Conference Finals with the Bucks and the Nets, and let's see what happens. There are championship hangovers, though, the season sure. after, you know, particularly in the regular season. We've been around the Warriors. Is that what you have today? Championship hangover? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Summer League hangover. I, but, and then, uh, and um, it might even be worse with this Bucks team. Drew was playing three days ago. Yeah. I was just about like, to say that. Yeah. The, all those, like, and Drew Chris and Chris both go overseas and play in the Olympics. That's a... 10 month season for those yeah, two dudes it's yeah. fatigue but it's also good just, for them though man what's yeah. studs like those dudes oh, yeah. go out and yeah. get a gold medal drew was That's the second amazing. best player on team usa yeah, he was. i mean as a guy who got to cover drew for a long time just seeing what he was able to accomplish this year man it was incredible because we all saw that level of greatness in him but it was tough for him to show it when he was in ad shadow yeah and then he was in zion shadow and it was always drew's the most underrated guy drew's the guy we don't talk about enough and now we're talking about drew as a champion a gold medalist, and I think a guy who can be a part of this Milwaukee team for a long time, uh, making championship runs. I think he also is is forcing us. We got to keep rethinking the defensive side of the ball mm-hmm. and the way we talk about it. You know what I mean? Like the finals in particular. You know when he shoots four at twenty, you 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 are programmed and wired to sit there and man, oh, Drew struggled tonight. Like I'm sorry, did you look at the other end? Exactly. <laughs> did you see the way? And, yeah. and because that's the way the box reads, and that's also the 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 economy of the NBA, right? Like. It's the guys on the offensive side that get paid. We got to keep shifting that conversation because he showed in the finals his value on that end. He showed in the Olympics that his value on that end. And then maybe not as consistent as people want, but he'll give you 25-30 when you need it. I mean, that's why I was happy game five ended the way that it did, where he rips that ball out of Booker's hands and throws the alley-oop to Giannis. Like, he got the moment, and right. the moment was a defensive moment where you could yeah. be like, okay, yeah, you're right. We should rethink this because that was super valuable. And, yeah. again, we shouldn't have to see a steal – and, and a dunk and all that. Like, we shouldn't have to see it. But the fact that we did, I think, maybe helps you appreciate it a little bit more. Yeah, and I think what was also interesting is that we kind of saw Drew doing it outside of his comfort zone. Because I can tell you, I had uh, countless conversations with Drew Holiday where he would say, hey, I'm not a point guard. I don't want to be the guy dribbling it up across half court every single time. I don't want to be at the top of the key waiting for somebody to come off a pin down. I want to run on the wing. I want to score. And, and just the way that lineup was built in Milwaukee, he kind of had to play that role. And that's right. why we saw some of those four for 20 nights or some of those yeah. high yeah. turnover nights because he had to play that point guard role and he still found a way to be successful. And like you said, getting stops on the other end at the best. But this defender. is why more guys don't do it because what right. happens is you shoot four for 20 and then we are guilty in the media of asking you about four for 20 yep. and you want to sit there and be like, bro, like, did you see how like I was turning Chris Paul three quarters court? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Um, since I gave you such a hard time about Sun Slander, let's go ahead and, and, and kind of wrap on that note with, with Phoenix. So I, I got a chance yesterday to catch up with Monty Williams. He's here at Summer League. Obviously, class individual. I love the way he handled the loss in the finals. And my favorite part, it's, you know, not that we're reveling in someone's pain, but I love authenticity, right? And, like, the way that he wasn't afraid to tell the world that it hurt a lot to lose those finals and, and to be humble enough to know that, on the one hand, we're a confident group and we plan on coming back soon, but we also know that even just sheer math alone, you know, the odds are, are, are slim, you know. And so Monty's out here, seems to be in a good place, but we talked a bit about his team. They get Landry Shamit. The edge of El McGee, you know, a few things around the edges. Chris Paul comes out here and he's got his left hand wrapped up from that surgery. Mark Spears of the undefeated had reported that he had surgery. And so the, the wrist was a problem during the finals. It does make sense. There were a lot of moments late when he was losing that ball in the kind of way that he doesn't. Yeah. But he'll get healthy. Book, who showed out in the Olympics, mm-hmm. comes straight from Tokyo to Vegas to be here. Campaign was here. Cam Johnson. Mikael Bridges, you see from a cultural standpoint. They signed another gold medalist, JaVale McGee. <laughs> they did indeed. JaVale. JaVale. Sorry, sorry, keep going. Second one in the family. Nicely done, McGee. He has, I believe, three NBA titles and a gold medal now. It's wild. Hall of Fame? Question mark? I knew oh, someone. What are y'all was going to say that? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing, Ryan? <laughs> uh, the Suns are a good squad, man. And they do have, I think they have a feeling that if they're being optimistic, that we kind of alluded to it before. If you look at the West, and we're not even breaking down the Lakers on this show yet, and but like there's something a little wonky about the West because the, the Lakers, Very. yeah, the Lakers are like, a, they're going to be the Lake show you're going to want to watch, but you don't know what it is. You got the age factor, you got the fit factor, a lot going on. Phoenix knows who they are. Continuity. Yeah, continuity. No so doubt. how do we see the Suns? They mean, they mean Utah. Uh, 100%. Con- Man, yeah. We're yes. keep overlooking Utah. Yeah. First sure. the Suns. Though. How do you guys see Phoenix? Re- you know, maybe we should consider them the favorite heading into the season. It's, it's yeah. probably tough to say because I do agree with the opinion that if, if Anthony Davis doesn't get injured in that first round series, Phoenix may be eliminated two months earlier, mm-hmm. essentially, and it's a disappointment. So, uh, it, I, but – the the continuity factor like i trust that them more heading into the season you know they're going to be good their starting lineup played by far the most minutes together last season they're going to have that again i mean i think they're going to be a 58 win team at least something like that and and right up there like we know they're going to be a top three top four seed and as long as they're healthy they're going to be a tough out in the playoffs and then we will cut we will like form our opinions on like the lakers over the season the warriors over the season uh, and decide if Phoenix is the favorite or not. I just remember during the regular season, the Bucks lost to the Suns twice during the regular season. And both times I was like, they might be the best team in the league. Like, I just like <laughs> kept watching them. And they have those two guys, like both Booker and Paul are not afraid of the moment. 
They both want the shot. So that means if it's a close game, they can compete. Like, I, I just think they're going to be a really tough team for a bunch of years because if you have those two dudes and Chris Paul's left wrist is right, like, yeah. you're not going to have turnovers. You're going to get shots up, and they hit big shots. Like, they're just going to be tough for, for as long as Chris Paul, like, can be a high-level player. And, again, he's getting up there in age. But, like, as long as he's good, they're going to be good. And I think one of the more interesting people in the entire league next year, a name we haven't brought up yet, is DeAndre Ayton. Yeah. And I think we know, as crazy as it seems, at some point Chris Paul is going to go down. It seems like it'll never happen, but at some point it's going to happen. And I think as he goes down, we need I mean, to see It happened DeAndre. a couple years ago. Yeah, <laughs> you know for what I mean? sure. And I think as, up. as he goes down, I think Ayton has to continue to go up, and he has to continue to grow his game. He has to be a guy – as much as we love what he did in the playoffs, he wasn't that guy during the regular season in a lot of ways. And I think as a guy who could consistently get you 20 and 10, a guy who can take advantage of all those mismatches, uh, control the boards, I think if he can do that consistently, I think that raises the ceiling of this team going forward. And we know Chris Paul and Booker are great. They're going to be great on most nights. But if they have that third guy in eight that they can depend on consistently, I think then you're going to have to put them in the conversation of the best team in the league, just right. like Eric said. All right, pen to paper. Who's give me give me your West favorites? Because I, you know, I do think the Lakers thing is fascinating. We got Denver, who we haven't even talked about. They're going to get Jamal Murray back. A team. Are they getting Jamal Murray back? I mean, he tore he tore his ACL in like April. I I was at the game. It was in San Francisco. It was like you know the last few weeks of the season. I mean, the play. You know, it's usually at least a year. Thompson timeline. Yeah, probably. I mean, and the Warriors just like they were. There was uh, coming off the ACL, which was two play injuries ago. Coming into the season, there was like maybe by the playoffs, and the Warriors kind of like shut that noise down. Right. Uh, I don't know what you know. Denver's got to be careful. I mean, he's a young star. You don't want to rush him back, but at the same time, you. I don't know. You don't get that many runs. I, I'm kind of throwing Denver out of the conversation. Suns for me. It's the Suns. Like I, I don't know how you can feel confident about anyone. I mean. There's things to like about all those teams, but like you can't have, I don't think, that same level of confidence as you can about the Suns. What's also what's the Kawhi expectation? Right. Yeah, who I mean, knows with Kawhi? You know, I, I'd be very surprised to see him next year at all. Yeah, which like, is crazy that you yeah. know we talk about the wonky West. You're taking two of the top six teams and just wiping them off the board. Right, and we're at summer league right yeah. now. So I can tell you right now, we're making Laker Nation very angry because they feel like they got the big three. I know they feel like Russ is going to come in and I'm change sorry, the world. How many? Uh, it's big four. We got Mellow. Oh in my there. bad. <laughs> Mellow's in there. Big four. It's a big two. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm I'm not in love. I'm right there with Anthony. I'm not I'm not in love with that. Russell I'm West in love with the content. I'm in love with the storytelling. Oh, it's going to be amazing. You know, that locker room. I, I just, I just can't wait to see those fun. stairs LeBron gives to Westbrook in the fourth quarter when he's shooting those <laughs> mid-range shots. I'm, I'm looking forward to Westbrook staring right back at him. I'm like, what you, th- what you think I was going to do? Exactly. What, you ain't, you ain't seen me play. Yeah. Like, As Russ looks at LeBron, why not? I'm, I'm, I'm the triple double king over here. But no, nah, I mean, I'm right there with Eric. I think Phoenix is the team you got to respect because of their continuity. Because Monty Williams, I think, is one of the best coaches in this league. Uh, I think Aiton is going to make another step next year. Uh, I love all of those young guys on that team, McCall Bridges, uh, Cam Johnson. Uh, I think they just got so much there, and I think they're going to be hungry coming off of that loss because I think they feel like if Chris Paul was healthy, I think they believe they would have won that series. And, again, there's another team doubting the Bucks and saying right. if, if, if we could have beat them. There's a lot of ifs in this postseason. Yeah, but I think they feel like they can, they can go right back there. And I think with Denver's uncertainty, with the Clippers' uncertainty, they feel like they can establish themselves atop the West. And if they can, we saw in the playoffs, man, that Phoenix home crowd is tough. 
That's oh, yeah. a loud building. Oh, Samsung. That's not the word I would use. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's going to be tough to beat them if they got home court throughout the playoffs. The continuity, like Phoenix and Utah, like I, I, I'll right. give Suns the edge, but I mean Utah, we are overlooking. They were the again. one two. They were one two in the West last season. Yeah. I, I mean, I would say this. I, I bronze would medalist Joe Ingles. I would, congratulations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would predict them being the top two seeds in the West, but yeah. that doesn't mean I would predict them to either of them right. to win. The but West. their spirit. I, I mean, my even Mike Conley's remark about coming back and why and not that we didn't already know this but like they 100% see themselves as a we got an unfinished business type of team yep. I'll, I'll probably take the field though even though I if we had to nail down choose maybe I'd take Phoenix I, I think somebody's gonna rise above them because I do you mentioned ceiling and eight and like mm. I do think they're if 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 the Lakers form together, if Kawhi shows back up, if, if the Warriors have a bunch of things break their way there's high, they can go higher I yeah. think um, and I would guess that the field uh, somebody will emerge. And I think if we're talking about Utah, we got to get back to the Gobert conversation. And it's something we go through every postseason where the Utah fans are screaming at all of us that we're underrating Gobert. We're not giving him the respect he deserves. And then we get to the playoffs and a team goes small and they find a way to neutralize what he does as one of the best defenders in this league. So until they figure that out, I think it's hard to put them in the same conversation with the Warriors, with the Suns, even if their regular season success is so consistent and we know Donovan Mitchell is up there and one of the best players in this league. I think until Gobert can establish that I can be as great as I am during the regular season in the playoffs for four rounds, I, I, it's hard for me to really look at them as a true contender, contender with all of these other so teams. So to me, there's a longer conversation. We're going to have to have Tony Jones on the pod and break down the Jazz. But I'm with you. I'll give my, my micro opinion of that is that I actually think their personal dynamics are tricky. You know what I mean? They they really are. Donovan has had levels of frustration that, that have been well chronicled. He's got his best friend on the team, though. Eric Pascal. Pascal. Yes, yeah. that's right. Well, and D-Wade being part of that, I yeah. think, is good for Donovan's yeah. psyche. With Rudy, the one thing is that if you look back at March 11th and the shutdown and everything we wrote about at the time of the uncomfortableness between Donovan and Rudy and the relationship stuff that they navigated, fast forward to the playoffs, I, I have the opinion that they, as a locker room, we're in a, in a mindset of like, I think basketball wise, they know they should have been taking Rudy off the floor mm -hmm. when he was getting exposed. But because of the dynamics interpersonally, when you got a multiple time defensive player of the year who has managed to keep his ego in a place where they could function, where its ego has been a thing yeah. that they've tripped up on a little bit. I think that bit him in the backside during the playoffs. Uh, also, maybe perimeter defenders could keep someone in front of them yeah i mean yeah. i mean that might help rudy yeah. gobert look better like instead yeah. of turnstiles just yeah. getting to the rim whenever well, they I'm, want like it's it's kind of tough when rudy has to govern all five that like, was part of their strategy though was like he'll handle defense <laughs> right. and you build the roster to shoot right, and, for sure you know, so it was maybe you know fatal flaw right and what was crazy though you know you went to the phoenix series and you're right there was better perimeter defenders around deandre Aiden. DeAndre Ayton handled right. the Clippers' small ball much better than Gobert, did, which was a surprise. All right, we're going to wrap uh, on this levity or note of levity. We got super producer Andrew Schlecht uh, ringing that bell. But we're in Vegas, boys. I just need to know, like, top of mind, did this city will always show you something different and something <laughs> funny or something dark or something happy? Who the hell knows? So we've only been here for a day or so. I'm just going stream of consciousness. What the hell have you seen? And your return to summer league, we did not have this last year. We were shuttered in our houses and trying to stay healthy. Uh, sights and sounds from from Vegas summer league. I mean, we had a 
we had a squad together last night. Like, <laughs> we love to talk about we're that. We're going to talk about that? Are we going to talk about that? I mean, I'm just saying, like, you know, we had, we had some people together. Like, we haven't seen each other in a long time. And, like, know, it just felt like, you we know. We had to take up a lot of room to stay six feet away from and, each like, other the whole time. <laughs> you know, we were at the hotel and, like, people kept walking by. Like, yeah. it, was, it was just cool to see everyone. Like, this isn't, like, I, I we, we were being safe. But, like, there is, like, this idea no, I'm that with you. I haven't seen people Preacher, in a long get time. Get in your feelings. Let's hear it. No, like, you're I, right. I, oh, like, it was a lot cool. of love on this staff and we, sure. we, yeah, I want to so. get mushy because that's what, what I love about working at the athletic is I feel like we're especially on the NBA side we're a real family we all talk we all whenever we're able to get together we like spending time together it's not like we're co-workers I feel like we all really like each other as a staff and I think that was really cool all of us being able to hang together last night for the first time in a long time. Slater looked at me funny when he said we like each other. I don't know what's going on there, so. <laughs> Some of us more yeah. than others, but you know, I think overall, we, I think we were a really tight-knit group, man. It was fun being around everybody. No doubt. It's good to, to see young players. Uh, you know, yeah. Jalen Green looked great in, in his debut. You know, we've seen Cade uh, for, and Giddy for like, you know, two minutes before Giddy left yeah, the sprained ankle. We're about to watch, you know, I think four lottery picks are going to be on the floor in about 10 minutes. Okay. Um, we didn't get this last season you know i cover Wiseman and and you know or lamella ball we didn't know going in season they didn't get a summer league it helps these young guys to, to get this kind of acclimation process and i just think it's, it, it's good like i'm actually excited to go watch this game all right let's do it good seeing y'all thanks for joining me thank you for joining us good stuff we'll be back next week thank you for joining us